Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, I don't know if uh, you watched YouTube or looked at Facebook uh, this weekend at all, but if you did, there was a story that was actually highlighted on, uh, even on ESPN that happened in Denver where a six foot one inch, 15 year old girl that played for Jesuit uh, High School dunked, uh, dunked a basketball in a game. That's, that's crazy. Never, never been done before. 15 years old, 6'1". Unfortunately, it was against Grand Junction High School. That was kind of stinky, but kind of reminds me of my playing days. I think I, I think I dunked a golf ball once. But I remember basketball. I loved playing basketball. Basketball is not the funnest sport to watch, honestly, I don't think. But it is very fun to play. I loved playing basketball growing up. And I grew up in Colorado. And I grew up going to Mesa State Basketball Camp. That was a camp that has been going on here in the Valley for years. And I would, we'd drive up with a group of people. And, and, and we would go. And I always looked forward to going to camp. Now, one of the things that we used to do, and, and when I used to go to camp, uh, it was Doug Skockle was over at uh, Coach. Coach Denny Squibb, who's AD at, at Fruita High School, was one of the coaches there. Jim Heaps was one of the coaches, which is so cool to be able to come as a high school kid and get college coaches pouring into you. And one of the things that they did in our camps anyway is they would kind of do a draft and they would draft all these players on different teams and your team was your team for the week and then you played all the different teams that were there and there's I mean there's I don't know hundreds and hundreds of uh, of kids there so there's a lot of teams and I remember going uh, I think it was my ninth grade year maybe my freshman year is sophomore year I'm not I can't quite remember but um, I remember going and getting drafted on this team and the way they would do it is you just go and you'd stand by your coach when they would call your name and uh, Coach Heaps was my coach. I remember that. And I was one of the first ones called up. And I'm like, oh, man, I hope, I hope we have a good team. I hope maybe I, I know somebody. I just kind of feel awkward here. And, and so they call me up. I'm standing there. And then they call this next kid up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've, I've watched him play this week. He's good. That's awesome. And then they call another kid up. And I'm like, oh, man, we're we're going to be really good. And then there was this one kid that was there. He's six foot 10. He was just an animal and everybody wanted him on my team, on their team. And I started praying. And that's, that's when I really learned the power of prayer because I'm praying, Lord, God, give us that guy. Give us that big dude, man. Give us him. And sure enough, he was drafted to our team. Now, when you get a group of guys around you like that or a group of girls around you, depending on what team sport you're in, and, and they're really good, it makes you play to a whole new level. It gives you a whole new level of confidence. And I could not wait to play ball with these guys. And I, I went into the first game, and, man, we just destroyed this team. I mean, we, we beat them, I think, by like 30 points. And I, I'm going to bring the ball down, and I'm just like throwing alley-oops to the guy at 6'10". He's grabbing it, just throwing it down. And I'm like, yeah, this never happened before. And that was so cool. And I looked so forward to every game. Well, as the week went on, um, we started having some injuries. Like one of our guards, who was so good, he, he 
twisted his ankle really bad, sprained his ankle really bad, tore some ligaments. And it's like, oh no, we lost him. And then we lost another guy who lost a Ford that was really strong. It's like, oh no, but at least we still got our, our, we still got our center, right? We still got our 6'10 guy. Well, this guy decides he's going to get into the slam dunk contest at, 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 at the camp and ends up breaking his arm in a slam dunk contest. And before I knew it, there was four injuries and then I was the only one left. And then I think they gave me some guys that came to camp late. I think they went down to, you know, the park downtown and pulled a few guys off the street and said, hey, will you come play basketball? And, and I went from feeling really supported and just having the greatest team and having the greatest time to feeling really alone. Like, wow, and it was all the weight of that team seemed like it was, it was on my shoulders. And, and we, didn't do, we didn't do very well at that point. And I think that as we go through life, I think that there are times when we feel like that. I think there's times where we feel really supported. We feel really strong. We feel like we're really, really doing good. We go through an experience like First Revival, and it's just awesome. It's just incredible, and we feel so awesome and so so good about what happened. And, and then there's times in our life where we feel really alone. We feel really beat down. We feel like we're the only ones working. We feel like we're the only ones. We're, we're shouldering all of the weight. I don't know if you feel that way, maybe at work. I mean, it just seems like you don't really like the people you work with. You don't really like what you're doing. And it feels like if anything goes wrong, it's always your fault. Maybe it's in your family right now. Maybe your family, it does not feel like a refuge. Maybe it does not feel like a team to you. And as time goes on, it's the the things of life start wearing on you. It starts wearing on your self-esteem. It starts wearing on your self-image and it starts to make you feel down and depressed. Maybe you're just struggling with guilt and shame and you feel really alone. Now, there's a season in life for guys and you know, a lot of times we make jokes about midlife crisis, right? I mean, kids will make jokes. Well, I think my dad's giving through a midlife crisis. He started wearing gold chains and went and bought a sports car. And, and we kind of make fun of it. But the truth is, that is a real season of life. And they say, the experts say, that that season can start for a male when, his, uh, when, his, when he starts to care for his ailing parents. So it's not really about an age time. Not like it starts at 40 or it starts at 35 or it starts at 42. It, it's usually when you are, your kids are in adolescence and you have to start caring for aging parents. And what happens in a male is, is they start feeling like their life is kind of played out. Like, well, I, I don't know that I'll ever do anything really cool or exciting again with, with my job. I'm kind of stuck in my job. I don't know if, you know, we'll ever really be able to do anything different with our family. I feel like I'm stuck under this mortgage. I feel like I'm, I'm stuck with uh, doing work all the time and never having any fun. And what happens to a guy is they start feeling under-challenged, under-appreciated, um, underwhelmed. And, and it, gets to a, it gets to a point where you, you kind of can go into a funk or a depression. Now, every, every, whether you're male or female, there are going to be times when you go through these seasons. And what we have to realize is that no matter how we feel, no matter what we think is happening right in, in front of us, the reality of it is, is we are never alone. We are never by ourselves, and we are always on the most incredible team with the most incredible support. The first person that we know that is watching us and watching out for us is our Heavenly Father. 
We know that. Like, God is there for us. And just the other day, I was reading in Scripture in my, in my uh, coffee time with God, and I was reading about the Israelites and how they were in the wilderness. They'd come out of Egypt, and they were facing all these foes, all these big armies. And understand, Israel was just, they were just a group of slaves. They didn't know how to fight. They weren't warriors. They didn't have all these chariots and all these uh, battle horses and, and all of this gear and armor. They, didn't, they were slaves. And they were having to go against these cities, against these countries, with these massive armies. But what God would tell them is like, don't worry about it. I've already given you the victory. I just, just the other day, I was reading in Numbers 21, and, and, and he's talking about that. The Lord says to Moses, don't be afraid of him, talking about this king. For I have given you victory over Og and his entire army, giving you all his land. So before the, before, before the fight, before the battle even started, God says, I got you. I've already defeated them. They hadn't even gone out and faced the army yet. And God is saying, I've already defeated them. And if you read through numbers and if you read through the time when, when Israel is conquering all of their enemies, you'll see the fact a few chapters after that, they face Midian, which was this formidable opponent that had this massive army and they went out against them and they didn't lose a single man. They came back after the battle and they said, everybody's here. Everybody's present and accounted for. We didn't lose one person. Now, warfare today, you see that because a lot of it's fought from the air or it's smart bombs or it's whatever. And a lot of times the the more powerful countries don't lose a troop. But in this situation, it's hand-to-hand combat. These guys are out there with swords and shields and they didn't lose one troop. That's how much God loves you and that's how much God is there for you and that's how much God protects you. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. So that's pretty cool. And most people would go and have heard, well, okay, God's on my side. I I get that. But not only do we have God, but we also have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just, just great aid that, that God has sent us. John 14, 16 says, and I will ask the Father, and this is Jesus talking, and he will give you another counselor who will never leave you. Jesus actually tells his disciples, hey, don't be sad when I go. It's going to be better. It will be better when I leave because then the Holy Spirit can come. Now, that's a big deal. When Jesus, if Jesus is walking with these guys and he says, the Holy Spirit, he's better than me. He's better at comforting you. He's better at counseling you than I am. And we live in this New Testament age where we can have the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only fell on certain people, on certain kings. And when we believe in Christ, the Bible says that we have the Holy Spirit and we can receive the Holy Spirit and we have him living within us. All of us do. We don't have to go to some temple. We don't have to go to some priest. We don't. The Holy Spirit is living in us. That's huge. That's crazy cool. When you think about it. And when you think about it that way, you think about, wow, then then I really am never alone. I actually have God living in me. And we also have Jesus. Now we know that Jesus died for us. Ultimate sacrifice. 
And as a result of that sacrifice, we have a home forever in heaven. We don't have to go to some priest and get forgiveness. We don't have to bring some animal with us to a temple and kill the animal and let that blood atone for our sins. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, that the ultimate gift. He was that for us. But what does he do for us now? To look at that, I want to look back into the Old Testament. And I want to look at a story in Numbers chapter 14. Now, in this story, once again, Israel has rebelled and complained against God. Okay, so they're they're delivered from slavery. They've been brought out of Egypt. They've had the Red Sea experience. They've had manna from heaven. They've had water flow out of rocks so that they could be fed and watered. They, 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 uh, they've been given all kinds of meat in, in doves and they went through that miracle. So they've, they've seen all these miracles and yet they still complain. They're still mad. They're still upset. And God's losing his patience with them. In fact, God's just saying, you know what, Moses, I, I'm going to start over. I'm going to wipe all of them out, and I'm going to start my nation with you. That's how ticked he was at his own people. And this is Moses' response. He pleads with God. He says, but what will the Egyptians think when they hear about it? With the, they know full well the power you displayed in rescuing these people from Egypt. They will tell this to their inheritance of this land, who are well aware that you are with this people. They know, Lord, that you have appeared in full view of your people in a pillar of cloud that hovers over them. They know that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you slaughter all these people, the nations that you have heard of your, that have heard of your fame will say, the Lord was not able to bring them into the land he swore to give them. So he killed them in the wilderness. Please, Lord. Prove that your power is as great as you have claimed it to be. For you said, the Lord is slow to anger and rich in unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. Even so, he does not leave sin unpunished, but he punishes the children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the sins of this people because of your magnificent unfailing love, just as you have forgiven them ever since they left Egypt. Then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you've requested Moses had to cry out on behalf of Israel so God wouldn't destroy him. If he hadn't have interceded for Israel, Israel would have been wiped out. Moses was the factor. He was the only one. He he was sick of them too. He was sick of the way they were acting, but he cried out, he interceded. And as a result of his prayers, don't ever think that your prayers don't count. Don't ever think that your prayers don't mean something. Moses was a man just like we are. He wasn't something special, but he had a fervent heart for God and he prayed passionately. And as a result of that, he he steered God's wrath away from Israel. That's huge. And you probably think, man, I'd love to have a prayer warrior like that for me. Man, I'd love to have an armor bearer like that for me. Somebody that would lift me up. Somebody that would pray for me. Man, I wish I had a Moses in my life. And yet we do. We have somebody way better than Moses interceding on our behalf. And that's Jesus Christ. Romans 8.33 says, who then will condemn us? Will Christ Jesus? No, for he is the one who died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting at the place of the highest honor next to God, pleading for us. The NIV says, interceding for us. I love the way the message translation says it. It says, so what do you think? 
With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? He's already given us his son. And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Ooh, that's awesome. Who dare mess with us? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Isn't that awesome? Your savior not only died for you, he's now in heaven and he's, he's praying for you. He's sticking up for you. He's your biggest advocate. Even in times when you mess up the worst, Jesus is saying to God, hey, yeah, but, but look at where he's been. Look where they've come. Look how far he's grown. Let's just have patience. They're gonna make it. They're gonna be fine. They're gonna do good. They're just going through a dark time right now. That's what Jesus is saying to the heavenly father on your behalf. So we got like the Trinity on our side. That's pretty good. That's better than any 610 center that can dunk it, right? You got the Trinity on your side. But then we also have angels. Sometimes I wish we could see what was happening around us in the spiritual. I would have loved to have seen what the angelic was doing Sunday night and Monday night and Tuesday night in this auditorium. I'd love to have seen that. Or anytime we corporately worship or anytime we privately worship, if we could just see what, what the angels were doing around us. Now, have you ever been in a situation, something tough, and you just got strength all of a sudden that you didn't know you could have? I mean, people are coming around you and they're going, dude, are you all right? And you're like, yeah, I, I really am. No, seriously, like, you're, you're screwed up. Are, are you sure you're, are you sure you're doing okay? Yeah, I'm good. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit comes as a comforter and a counselor. He'll give us a peace that passes all understanding. But we have to understand that the angelic is around us, doing warfare on our behalf. When demons of doubt and discouragement come against us, Do you realize that the angelic is around us unsheathing their swords saying, don't, don't even mess with them. Don't even touch them. Do you not know who they are? Do you not know that they are a prince or a princess of the almighty and that I am here to guard them? How dare you come against them? A lot of us have grown up wishing, man, I... I wish I had a big brother in life. Yeah, I, wish, I wish I could have gone through school and had a big brother that would protect me from bullies. We don't need a big brother when we have a guardian angel. And we all have them. That are there, they're, they're doing warfare on our behalf. And there's this great story in the Bible where Elijah is, is Elisha is trying to help a king understand the situation. Uh, uh, they're in this uh, a battle situation and, and the king is scared to death because this army is closing in on his city. And he's just thinking, we're done. We're dead. We don't have enough troops to handle what is out there. My time as king is, is coming to an end and he's worried and he's fretting. And Elisha asks God to let the king see what's really going on in the spiritual. 
And in 2 Kings 16, it says, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. And I know the king is going, wait, wait I'm counting. Like, I, I see what's out there. And I see what I got. I don't know what you're looking at. And then Elisha prays, O oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened his servant's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Man, if we could just see. If we could just see how much protection we have. If we could just see how the, the troops and the forces of, of God are so much greater than the troops and the forces of darkness. If we could just see how fixed this fight really is. If we could just grasp it. Psalms 91.11 says, For he orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. Psalms 34.7 says, For the angel of the Lord guards all who fear him, and he rescues them. Building up a pretty good team, aren't we? Got a pretty good group around us. But then here's one that we kind of miss. I remember when I was in high school talking about basketball again. And uh, we always said we had to do two a day starting off the season. So, so we, had to, we had to do practice in the morning before school. And then we had to go to school all day. And then we had to do practice after school uh, for a certain period of time. So we did these two a days. Now understand, they would start really wearing on you after a while, especially when you, you did that first practice, you did school all day and you, you came back in the evening and you're, you know, you're running suicides and you're, you know, you're trying to focus, you're trying to do a good job on the court. And I remember man just grabbing, just grabbing my shorts, just like, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I think I'm going to puke. And then a pretty girl would walk in the gym and everything changed, right? It's like, hey, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Come on. Right? You were dead two seconds ago, and then she walked in, and now you're just brought to life. You better ever been in the gym before? You're benching, right? Got like 25s on each side. Barely can get it up. Pretty girl walks in, you're like, come on, slap on the 45s. Slap on two of them. Of course, nobody's ever been guilty of doing that. But it's motivating when you know someone that you like or love is watching you. At Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to, to, uh, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And so we have this crowd of witnesses that are, that are watching us, that are, are looking at us, that are cheering us on. So no matter how tired you are, no matter how, how done you are, you, you got to understand there's, there, there are people watching you that are cheering you on, that are trying to motivate you and, and help you. That, that's incredible to think that those people are watching us. Now, who's watching you? I believe the saints are watching us. So, you know, you think about the fact that favorite person in the Bible, maybe for me, like in the Old Testament, was David. David's watching me. 
David's cheering for me. Yeah, Paul in the New Testament is cheering for me. He's looking at me. And it's kind of hard to grasp. And it's not real personal when you think about those people because you may not have known them. But who did you know that's watching you? I know for me, I think about my dad. And he's been gone for four years now. And I know that he's watching me. And I know that if he could, he would say things to me like, Tim, that's, that's not worth worrying about. I know you're struggling right now, but you're going to be okay. That's of no concern. You, you won't even remember that next week. What you're stressing about right now, you won't even, you won't, you will have forgotten it by next week. Don't get mad about that. It's such a waste of energy. Enjoy your time on earth. Make, make the most of it because it goes so fast. I'm watching you. I'm proud of you. And I'll see you soon. So this morning, I want us to do something together before we leave. I want us to bow our heads. And I just want you to picture something in your mind right now. I want you to picture a place maybe that you've been before. And man, it was the most surreal experience being there that you've ever had. Maybe it was a beach. Maybe it was a mountain lake. And I just want you to picture yourself. You just, you're, you're sitting there, maybe on a camp chair or a, or a lounge chair, and you're just, you're just enjoying the beauty. And I want you to imagine God there protecting you. You don't have to worry about anything because he's got you. You don't have to worry about any attack, any bad thought, anything, because he's there. And then you imagine God's son standing next to him. And they're having a conversation about you. Jesus is sticking up for you. Jesus is interceding on your behalf. Jesus is saying stuff like, I'm so proud of him. Look how good they're doing. Look how much they've grown. Look how good of a husband or a wife they've become. Be patient with them because I love them so much. After all, I died for them. And then you notice sitting next to you is the Holy Spirit. He's speaking words of encouragement to you. He's saying, you can do this. You can make it. He tells you, we have so many blessings waiting for you. Just stay focused. Stay the course. Make good decisions. 
those words just minister to you, then you notice that there are angels and they're standing all around you in a fighting position. Just looking for anything that would come against you. But they're not just standing there, they're also singing. Making the most beautiful worship music you've ever heard. you and it soothes you and you can't help but sing along because after all you're worshiping the one that's brought you to this place and then you look over and notice that person that you've lost that's gone home to be with the Lord and they're doing whatever they love to do My dad's probably fishing. And I can see him look back at me and say, get over here, Tim. You, you got to see this. The disciples have such a good way of bringing in the big ones. And as you look at them, it's as if no time has passed at all. This is where we need to be to realize the truth of the situation. Devil wants to make you feel isolated and alone. God wants to make you feel protected, strengthened, and supported. So just go back to this place mentally. And let this team come around you spiritually you up. We're not alone. We're fully supported, given full authority with a future that cannot be denied. The creator of the universe, along with all his creation, is on our side. If he's for us, Lord God, to let those that are around us elevate our play. It would help us to want to live better. It would help us to want to be stronger. It would make us realize how much we really are loved. We love you, God. We love you. Thank you for your protection. Thank you. Thank you for your son interceding on our behalf. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that's living within us. Thank you for your angels. And thank you, Lord, that we have so many people that have gone on before us that are looking so forward to us being with them again and that are cheering us on. We thank you for that, God.
Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.